Welcome everybody to episode number 29 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. Don't get set into one form. Adapt it and build your own and let it grow. Be like water. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now, you put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. And that is, of course, a quote from one of the world's most famous martial artists, Bruce Lee. And while he's speaking about water, it's really a whole lot deeper than that. It's At least when I read that quote, it speaks to me, and I think it has tremendous correlations to the fire service about how we need to be adaptable, how especially in today's world and our fire environment, there's not just one way that we need to be attacking fires or to be doing business. There's hundreds of fire departments out there and each one of them is a little bit different, a little bit, uh, has a little bit different challenges, a little bit different leadership, different apparatus, different people, different firefighters. And so we can't just have a rigid approach to how we're going to fight fire in today's world. It's just not possible. So we need to be more like water. And that's really appropriate because water is our number one weapon. It's the thing we use the most to combat our enemy, which is fire. So I really, really, really like that quote. I really like the just how deep you can get with it and how it applies to so many things just in life in general, but it really also has correlations and deep meaning for the fire service. And I thought it was a really good segue to talk about our topic today, which is going to be my review with special guest Chris Clark. Some of you may know him on the Instagram as the 8-Up Engine. Uh, But my review with him on the 2019 Water on the Fire Conference. I had a tremendous time in Pensacola, Florida uh, with Kurt Isaacson and all of his training staff from County Fire Tactics And just a tremendous time, great time, great learning environment, great social environment. So let's not belabor the point anymore. Let's get to the 2019 Water on the Fire review with Chris Clark, the 8-Up Engine. And let's talk about the Water on the Fire Conference. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Really excited to have Chris Clark on. Uh, You may know him on Instagram as the 8-Up Engine. But, uh, you know, got to meet Chris, got to interact with him through uh, social media and then got to meet him at this year's Water on the Fire Conference. And I wanted to do a review of the conference because I think that's important. But when I do these reviews, uh, sometimes, you know, it's only my perspective and that can be maybe a little bit narrowed because I'll be honest, when I go to these things, I'm kind of a selfish person, man. I'm there for me to get my learn on and maybe I miss some things. Maybe I you know, don't see things from the, uh, a different perspective. So I like to bring other people on like I've done in the past with, with other conferences that I've reviewed to, uh, to get that other perspective. Or with, especially with Water on the Fire, there was so much going on, so many topics, especially on day three with the hands-on stuff. 
you couldn't go to everything. There's just no way you could go to every class that was being offered during the hands-on sessions. So it's important to me to bring that other person on so they can maybe tell you some things that I didn't get to experience or miss. So Chris, uh, first off, thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, uh, just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your fire service background. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you bringing me on. Um, I'm, uh, my name's Chris Clark. Um, a firefighter here in North Carolina, uh, around the Charlotte area, work for Matthews fire and EMS. Um, we're a little 17 and a half square mile department, um, right on the outskirts of Charlotte, kind of butted up in between Charlotte and Union County. Um, we run uh, mutual aid into, into Union County and then uh, into the, the county area of Mecklenburg, uh, right outside Charlotte. Uh, and then I do some volunteering and, uh, and part-time work here in Rowan County. Um, background wise, I, I started out volunteering. I think uh, that's, that's probably the story for most of us. Um, started volunteering 18 right out of high school. Um, and two years into that, I got hired full-time. Uh, my first job was Salisbury Fire Department in Rowan County. Um, I worked there for two and a half years. I loved it. Um, it very active department, uh, pretty busy on the fire side the time that I was there. Um, and uh, just gained a lot of experience, a lot of insight to the service and, and just had a ton of fun doing it. And, and I worked with um, who I think are the probably the most amazing firefighters in the country um, at Salisbury. Um, and I really enjoyed my time there. Um, like I said, two and a half years into that, uh, I made one of the probably the biggest decisions of my life. I joined the Navy um, and uh, kind of one of those. If I wasn't going to do it, then I wasn't going to ever do it. Um, so we, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, I joined, uh, went to boot camp and, uh, spent three years on the West coast, uh, volunteered a little bit out there, um, with a volunteer department on my, on my off time. Um, we left, uh, we left the West coast. I went overseas for a year and then I came back, um, and was lucky enough to still have some relationships in North Carolina. Um, started out working, uh, part-time. Uh, a couple of places I knew the chief and then I uh, got hired with Matthews. Um, and that was, uh, it was right around a year ago now. So a um, little complicated history, bouncing back and forth between uh, uh, full-time and volunteer and whatnot, but uh, I'm happy to, to be kind of um, just deep back in it and, and go and uh, kind of balls to the wall with it. So, man, that's awesome. Well, you know, and I think that's important, especially when you're talking about anything into the fire service, right? Like, because, you know, people always talk about experience matters, but a lot of times they're talking about just going to fires or, or anything like that. When in reality, like the life experience that you have from your, you know, your military service, your volunteering, you're working for Salisbury and then now working for uh, Matthews and, and all these like that is building your your toolbox. Like, I'm sure you did things different in Salisbury than you do in Matthews and, and, and different in volunteering on the West coast than you do. And so that's all just, you know, things that contribute to your knowledge base and your, and your, and your perspective, which I think is, is extremely valuable. And people, I think, ignore that a lot. So, so I think that's awesome. And it's a great segue into water on the fire. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, there were, there were definite, um, uh, different dynamics, uh, both East and West coast and, and different dynamics from departments. And, and you're right, man, the, the perspective is everything. Um, I learned just as much in the full-time fire service as I did in the volunteer service as I did, um, you know, when I was in the military. So, uh, yeah, perspective is everything, man. And it's, uh, that's a great point. 
Awesome. Well, let's get into it, man. So uh, first thing, before we get started in, in, into going into the nuts and bolts of the conference, had you ever been to Water on the Fire before? No, I hadn't. Um, I actually got turned on to it by my brother who went the year before. Um, I've been following Kurt uh, and, and County Fire Tactics for a few years. Um, and then my brother went down with a couple of guys that we came up with um, and came back and just rant and raved about it. Um, said, basically, you need to get down here. Um, you need to do everything that you can to get down to that conference. Um, luckily, uh, when I got hired with Matthews, um, my, my chief and training officer are amazing. Uh, they support us in pretty much any training that we want to do, um, especially, you know, a training like that to kind of broaden our horizons. Um, and I told him about it. Uh, we weren't even on shift yet. We were still going through um, a transition program. We were going from a, a kind of an eight to five uh, full-time um, full-time service to a, a traditional 24-hour schedule. Um, the guys that I got hired with were uh, kind of in that group. So um, I told them about it uh, basically when the, when the early bird special was. And um, they were like, yeah, let's jump on it. So uh, my training officer got a couple spots and we went down there. So, well, that's awesome. So what, so what other conferences have you, have you been, have you attended uh, in your fire service career? Cause I think that's important to talk about too, because like, I, I know my background, I've been to the big ones. I've been to FDIC 13 or 14 times. I've lost count to be quite honest with you. I've been to firehouse expo, um, uh, a, a, a similar amount of times I've done, you know, some, even some smaller ones. Um, you know, so just like, so sometimes people, and I don't want to say they are down on the smaller conferences, but they feel that like FDIC is the tip of the iceberg and that nothing's going to beat that. And I don't know if I agree with that anymore. I think two, three, even four years ago, if you asked me what the best conference in the country is, I would have said FDIC hands down. Everybody should go to FDIC. I think everybody still should go to FDIC, but I don't know if those are the best experiences in the country anymore. So what, what other things have you been to? Um, well, I've done FDIC. Uh, I did the, um, uh, kind of the work program there through EKU. Mm -hmm. Um, we got hooked up with those guys in 2012, I think is when I went. Uh, and that was the only time I went and that was a great experience, man. You, um, you know, the, the, I think that the benefit to FDIC is that you have the, the kind of broad range of instructors, right? So you've got guys from everywhere geographically. And that's that's what really makes those hands on classes. You get so much of that perspective like we were talking about. Um, but uh, it, it's not um, it's not as kind of close knit as some of the regional conferences or, or some of the local conferences like Water on the Fire. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think I would tend to agree with you that uh, that FDIC is probably not the it's not the be all end all. It's a great conference and it's great learning. Um, but some of the more regionalized stuff, I think gets a, a little bit closer. Uh, you get to interact a little bit more. Uh, but I've been to that one. I've been to, um, um, safer, uh, a handful of times, which is the, the Southeast conference there in Raleigh. Um, I think I went one or two times before I left. Uh, and then just a few, few things here and there, uh, smaller, smaller trainings around here. Uh, we hosted a one-day training here in Salisbury that um, I wouldn't really call a conference, but just, just outside training, bringing bringing different uh, kind of geographical areas together to get a get a perspective. Um, but as far as like, I mean, I've not I've not been to FDIC thirteen or fourteen times. I'm pretty green when it comes to conferences. Um, 
but I think that uh, that kind of carries over from my my first stint uh, as a career fireman. Um, social media wasn't as huge as it is now, so you didn't have that kind of bombardment of um, of guys saying, "Hey, this conference is going on," or "This thing's going on." That advertisement out there, so I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, and it was only in the last couple of years that I've, that I've really found, um, where I want to go and some goals that I've got to make it to different conferences, you know? Outstanding. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Totally get it. And I, and I agree with you that for me, and we can start with the social aspect of water on the fire and then work into the curriculum. For me, one of the things that was the most impressive is that not only was it, you know, because you go to some of these big conferences and actually like so I've known Brian Brush for a couple years and he actually came up to me and was like, man, you know, this is a great opportunity to get to spend some time with you instead of just passing you in the hallway at FDIC with 40,000 other people. Uh, you know, we're both headed different directions. And, and I was really like that was one of the best parts for me is that those conferences, these smaller regional conferences make these instructors available to you. And I know one of the things Kurt was it was mandatory for those instructors to be at the pool the last night of the conference that Wednesday night, every instructor that taught all week was at the pool, at the pool bar hanging out. And that was like, he was like, they will be there. They have to be there. And to, for you to go talk to them, to hang out with them. And every one of them was there. If you wanted to go talk to Ray McCormack or, or uh, Todd Edwards or Eric Wheaton or Brian Brush or any of those guys, even Dennis Laguerre, you know, you had the opportunity to sit down, have a beer with them and ask them questions. So I really think that was that just makes the social aspect of the conference that much better, because a lot of people think that these are just going out of town beer drinking con- uh, conferences. And maybe some of them are. And I'm not saying that the, the alcoholic beverages aren't flowing pretty freely, but uh, <laughs> but you know, there's a real opportunity to have some really good conversation with guys. And so I just really love that aspect. And I think it's an aspect that's lacking at FDIC uh, or some of the bigger conferences. Sure, everybody's out in the town on Indianapolis, but you can't talk to Brian Brush when they're, when you're 150 deep at uh, Ike and Jonesy's. It's just not possible. Yeah, yeah, that's it's 100% true, man. Like, uh, we – we sat at Hemingway's on, on that Tuesday or Wednesday night, and uh, I had a 30-minute conversation with Dennis Laguerre about coupling bowl sizes. Like, <laughs> you just don't – you don't get that anywhere else. You know, um, Chief Thompson from the colony, you know, he came up and, and, you know, we were talking, having a conversation, but it was it was a 30-minute uh, class on his leadership style and, and the way that they do things down there and, and just insight that you won't you, – you don't get at, at a, a big major conference like FDIC. Um, and again, I don't want it to sound like we're sitting here bashing the, the FDIC. Thing. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great learning experience. It was a formidable, a formidable, uh, week in my, my fire service career, but the social aspect of it is, is definitely, um, in the regional conferences like water on the fire. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, you talk about the, the experience you had talking to the guys at Hemingways and stuff. This is a legit, one of my favorite parts of the conference uh, I was, we had to fly out really early. So we caught the very first shuttle back to the airport. I believe it was right about four fifteen in the morning. And Dennis Laguerre was on that shuttle with, uh, with Keith stakes from UL and all of us, it was probably 14 or 15 of us on this shuttle bus heading to the airport. And Dennis and Keith were talking about hose and nozzles for the whole 14 or 15, 20 minute ride to the airport. So we got an extra 20 minute class 
by by riding that shuttle bus to the airport with those guys. So I mean, like, and that's this what you're what you're getting at these at these smaller conferences, just that interaction. Uh, I mean, it just it was just great. It was like, hey, we got an extra class on on Thursday morning and we, that we didn't even, uh, or rather, or a Friday morning that we didn't even pay for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just awesome, man. Like it, it, that interaction, just to be a fly on the wall and hear those guys talk is is awesome. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, well, let's get into the actual like nuts and bolts of the conference. Um, I, and I'll tell you straight up, you know, and and I and I and that's why I wanted to bring you on because I I'll be quite honest with you, like. I, I I thought this is I truly believe that Water on the Fire is the best engine company based conference in the country. Uh, I had never gone before until this year, and it was so good, and I was enjoying myself so much and learning so much. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty plugged in to the fire service. I mean, you don't have a fire service podcast if you're not paying attention to what's going on. And as plugged in as I am, as much as I read, as much I still took 21 pages of notes. Yeah, <laughs> and so I mean, like that is the benefit that I got out of the, out of the conference. And I signed up immediately when he dropped that early bird special at the conference that day, I signed up sitting there listening to him talk. So I'm already signed up for water on the fire 2020. So I don't want to sound biased, but I really did think it was, it it just, it it was impactful for me. It's one of the best experiences I've had uh, at a fire service conference. And I'm, and I'm super excited to go back next year to, hopefully to get some of the things that I didn't get to get this year um, and to get to talk to some different people. But uh, so the conference started off with Kurt and uh, Chief Kanzig from Midway talking about the water for the rescue. And they detailed uh, a fatal fire that they had um, in Midway, Florida, where Skylar, they, they talked about Skylar, they talked about her dying uh, in that fire. It was a sleepover. I don't want to get into too much of the details. Um, and that really set the tone for the entire conference. And that really kind of snapped me back to reality with some of the things that maybe are going on out there with, with, with clean cab and all that stuff. It really has made me come down, you know, that speech or that class really brought me back down to earth with, I would not want, if my kids were trapped in a fire, I wouldn't want some guy getting dressed in the front yard. Uh, and you know what I mean? So that really like that just like brought me right back into a perspective that that stuff's BS. I mean, I'm not trying to say that cancer is great because it's not. My wife is a cancer survivor, but I don't. But but we we signed up to take certain risks. And I think that cancer exposure might be one of them, um, you know, and in, in, in doing the things that we have to do to to make sure that girl, you know, ch- children like Skylar don't you know, we give them their best chance. We give them their best chance for survival and that's coming off the rigs ready to work. And so that was just really like impactful for me. Um, what, what did you have? What did you think about that? No, I think you're right. Um, uh, uh, chief, uh, chief Ike's got a really unique way of, of opening a conference, um, especially day one there and, and talking and he, he's got a really awesome way of, of tying in talking about what we normally don't talk about. Um, and kind of laying it all on the line and, and, and drawing all that back in to say, Hey, this is what we're here for. Um, so the, the detailing of, of, of Skylar's fire and then, and then the drill that they came up with, um, you know, to kind of challenge everybody, um, I thought was a, was a great way, a great, um, uh, kind of memorial for her and, and to say, Hey guys, like this is, this is what we're here for. This is why, 
this stuff matters and this is why it's important. So. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, just as I'm, as I'm perusing through my notes here about that, there was just so much good stuff. And again, I'm not trying to, I don't want to give away anybody the conference for free, right? Like, you know, the goal is to like hopefully review it so that people get a good idea of what it is and, and want to go. But, uh, but I really, like you said, I really, that, that set the tone for that conference for the whole thing. And it was pretty much, that was the tone for the entire thing for me. It was like, we want to do everything so that kids like Skylar have the best chance of survival and that everybody has the best chance of survival. And it really like smacked me back into reality because we can get bogged down in some of the politics. And this was a no like BS, no political, you know, conference. It was real firemen talking real fireman stuff and, and not, worried about and and again and some of the things maybe are misinterpreted wrong not saying that prevention and community risk reduction or all those things aren't important they are important but at the end of the day and what they were talking about with this stuff you can do all the smoke alarms all the community risk reduction all the things like that that you want all the you know all the 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 school talks but at the end of the day what's going to matter is how good you are at your skills and that's where our focus should be yeah 100 percent um, I think, and we, and we talk about it a lot. It's, it's, it's a big topic right now is time. Um, and the way that I think about stuff like, uh, you know, doing public eds and, and inspections and stuff, we have all the time in the world to, to set those things up and schedule them and prepare, do lesson plans or whatever. Um, but where our time really should be focused on is the fire ground. And I, and I felt like that was a, that was kind of a hard hitting topic at this conference, uh, was making sure that we're giving, um, the citizen the best chance by giving them all of our time, every bit of time as efficiently as possible so that we can uh, hopefully save them in their time of need. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So after that, after we all got kind of punched in the face uh, to start the conference, because, I mean, it really did, uh, they went into Brian Brush talking about 75 years of fire streams. And I was actually uh, – I have listened to Brian talk a, a hundred times you know, and, and Brian always brings a good, uh, a good topic. I was really, I really enjoyed this class just talking about the evolution of the fire stream over the last 75 years and where we've come from to where we are now and how we've developed the, you know, and, and what, and why we, why we went to, you know, the, the why behind it, because that seems to be everybody's big thing these days is they want to know why, want to know why, want to know why, not just how. And the why we started using, you know, high pressure fogs like, you know, John Beam style pumps, why we went away from it, why we kind of went back to fogs, why we flowed this kind of water, that kind of water. And now the kind of the evolution of NFPA kind of mandating a target flow for us. And and it was just really, really good stuff. Yeah, um, he he brought up a, a couple really awesome points about the difference between drawings and pictures, which really stuck with. Yes, me. I remember exactly saying. I remember that. Go ahead into that. So he basically, you know, saying that pictures are, uh, you know, actual photographs are a moment in time that really nobody can dispute. Right? They're 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 showing exactly what happens in a frame, but but our drawings that we see so much in our in our manuals and our our ISTA books and things like that. Um, they're showing a representation of what should happen or what people think or have the um, uh, their their way of of things happening. Um, so when we talk about fire attack, um, you know, we were shown these uh, these 
these drawings of how fire attacks should go. And it's, it's, he was talking about the discrepancies in, in how it should go or how they thought it should go versus how it actually does now. Um, I, that just, that stuck with me, man. I've been thinking about that since, since we left the conference. Um, that was a, that was a huge thing for me. Yeah, I agree. I even like wrote that in my notes. It was basically like, I, I, you know, he basically said, draw the drawings are bullshit is essentially what he said. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I kind of wrote that. Like I, I like italicized that in my notes, <laughs> um, you know, because, and he's right. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like when you look at some of these drawings, it's ridiculous. Like what they, what they interpret and people who don't know better, that's what they assume that, that we're doing and, or that they should do uh, when they're learning. And, and I totally, totally agree with that. And like I said, Brian just had solid, solid points. If you've never heard Brian Brush talk, then, uh, then, then I think it, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should. And I think that for the most, for most of the guys here at this conference, if you've never heard them speak, on any topic, then you, you need to get out from under your rock and, and go and go find them. Um, so after that, uh, you, of course, lunchtime. But then uh, Steve Robertson got into stretching for success. And this is actually a class that I had heard before um, at FDIC 2018. It, it was pretty much verbatim, the class I heard at FDIC 2018. Maybe a couple extra slides added in. Still solid, solid stuff. Still was able to add to some of the notes I had taken previously. But uh, just, you know... And again, not to 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 uh, say discredit or anything. I don't know if it was anything earth shattering, but it was extremely valuable focus on the basics, which is something that we, uh, you know, I know in in my fire department, it's something that we lose sight of sometimes. We we got so much focus on you know a lot of other things that are important. We lose kind of track of just the everyday stretching the hose line getting it in the right place the first time estimating the stretch. And so I've, I know I've taken a lot of things from the initial time I listened to Steve Robertson and then kind of updated some of my notes with this presentation and continue to bring them back. Yeah. He, um, he had a very meticulous way of the, of, uh, how he deploys hose, which, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, as somebody who focuses solely, um, 98% of their time on, on, uh, engine stuff, um, being assigned to an engine full time, um, just kind of the, the, just minute details that he went over, you know, talking about, um, um, uh, the car lengths, you know, uh, stretching past where you would think you would go in between two cars to the next tire or something like that, or splitting the door, uh, laying out your hose smartly. Um, you know, I had, I'd never personally heard, um, Steve talk, but, uh, I'd heard who he was and, um, seen some of his stuff. Um, and even though stuff like that to like, to somebody, it may not seem earth shattering. Um, I, I really appreciate, uh, minute details like that and getting real specific about what we're doing. Cause I, again, I think that it kind of plays into that time aspect. It cuts time from everything that we do. Yeah, I, I agree. And you're, you're 100 percent correct. Like I, the very first time I heard him speak, I took back that uh, that splitting the door and and all of those things, because it just makes so much sense. I mean, you know, to, to give the first line this side of the door and then the second line stretch it to that side. It makes it like like said, like you said, lay, lay that hose out like a gentleman. Yeah, you know, yeah. like like be pro, be professional. Don't just you know s spray it all about the uh, the the yard and hope for the best. And you really, and and I and I can tell you as as you know, it's been a couple weeks since the conference. 
as I've gone to a couple fires since we got home, uh, you know, I've seen some, some poor hose lays and, you know, like, and you're, and you, and you're sitting there and you're like, man, if these guys had heard that speech, maybe they wouldn't do that. You know, maybe they wouldn't, maybe they would be a little bit more professional in how they, how they lay their hose out. So no, I, I totally, totally agree. He is extremely meticulous with that hose load stuff and it's, and it's for good reason. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I think that everybody can appreciate anybody that's been in the, the fire service any amount of time has stepped over like this gaggle of hose as they're trying to make the doorway. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, I think that, I think that everybody can appreciate a, a smartly laid uh, hose stretch. So. Yeah, I, absolutely. And then we went into the drill yard with Todd Edwards from Atlanta and uh, his whole thing was about get out there and train. And the thing that he said that, uh, really sat with me and it's something that he put it so he put it so well and it's something I've struggled with trying to get people to understand why we need to do this so much but he said in this class every day you're sitting around doing nothing you are risking my life and that just was like boom and I wrote that in bold and all caps in my notes I was like man that is awesome and then he kind of broke it down a little bit you know, to training is the most important thing you can do for yourself, your crew, your family, and the ones you serve. And that's really, and I kind of, I, I, we have a couple of recruit firefighters in my station now. And I told them, you know, one of them was kind of talking about how he didn't want to look bad in front of the other people. That's why he was drilling so much. And I was like, okay, that's one motivation. I said, but I want you to do it for those exact reasons. I want you to be good for my wife and kids is that if I get in trouble, you, you know, you should be good enough. You should be good for me. And in turn, I'm going to be good for you so that you go home to your, your family. And that really like, you could tell that that resonated with him and that resonates with me. Um, and it baffles me sometimes when people don't see it that way, that good enough is good enough. Uh, but yeah, I really like, like Todd's class was just like, again, one of those other smack in the face, like, Hey man, you know, you don't have to apologize for, for loving this job. And uh, you should you should get out there and, and be training every day. Yeah, man. Todd uh, Todd had a way of of talking um, to the firefighter. Like you can tell that he he is still into the job um, and just and just loves the job. Um, and even though you know the ranks that he's attained at one of the you know biggest metropolitan fire departments you know uh, in the country. Um, he could talk to you like a firefighter and he just, his passion just kind of came out of him. Um, I really liked uh, um, how he broke down and especially for somebody that um, uh, manages time throughout the day, that's kind of meticulous trying to figure out um, how they're going to break down their day. He, he kind of laid out his daily schedule when he was on shift, when he was a company officer um, you know, they had, I think he said that his shift range was at like seven. So from like seven to one, his guys were, were his and they would do PT as a crew and they would drill as a crew and they would pre-plan as a crew and they do all this. And I think when you lay that, that expectation down with your guys, uh, with your crew and it's, it's, you know, they know what to expect from the day to day. Um, and the drill he said, you know, even doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a big, long drawn out two, three hour drill. It can be something as simple as 20, 30 minutes, um, you know, kind of drilling on some basics of the stretch again, you know, getting meticulous with it, um, to some writ stuff to this or that. Um, and that was really insightful. Um, 
you know, to see somebody manage their time and lay out their expectations for the guys, it was, uh, it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And like I said, it was just, again, it was, it was more on the motivational side, but he did talk about some things, you know, about, uh, how they had a, uh, a rescue in Atlanta and how they, you know, and how they drilled on it, like the shift before. And that's why it was successful. You know, it, it just really, really just powerful, powerful message. And then we kind of went into, into day two, uh, and started off with the Stone Brothers from uh, Fort Walton Beach talking about the two rescues that they've been a part of and that are they're both documented on YouTube. Uh, one of them actually made the rounds pretty well where they rescued a uh, someone out of an, a, what was supposed to be a, an abandoned or vacant structure. And I really got a lot out of that, too, because I like to hear firsthand accounts of people that have actually pulled people out of buildings or whatever, like firsthand account of Maydays, because you can only get so much out of a video or an article. But when you're there listening to the person who was actually involved in it, you just get those, again, those details that you don't get in an article. And I really enjoyed their class uh, just talking about those, those rescues and how they've pulled them off, especially coming from a kind of a small department that Fort Walton is. Yeah, I actually uh, just listened to DJ's, um, uh, episode on grabs uh the brothers in battle podcast um where he he details it again and they do a, a great job on that podcast of really breaking down kind of in a short amount of time uh what went on um and the interesting point of of pretty much every rescue that you hear about and and the stone brothers were no different is that it it takes like five times as long to to really explain how things went down versus how how much time it actually took to rescue the person um, and it was, it was super interesting to listen to both of their perspectives, especially DJs, um, talking about how they had just trained on, on, on that scenario, um, just trained on, on that specific water application and things like that, that really made that ex- a success. Yeah. I, and a couple of things that really stuck out for me, especially when you talk about, uh, DJ's rescue, where he's coming in as the first in company officer, uh, one of the things that like really stuck with me was we prepare to rescue our children. That's the standard you should hold yourself to. And that really like, I wrote that on the, at the, on the board at the firehouse uh, yeah. when I got back. I mean, and, and, and that is legit a hundred percent. Like if you are not good enough to rescue your own kids, if you wouldn't want you showing up at your own fire, then you should be doing something different. And really, you know, there's a lot of debate, a lot of debate about, interior versus exterior water all this kind of stuff and i just thought it was extremely valuable like they they you know like a lot of people was like oh it's you know you can't do anything they had an exterior stream and rescued a lady and had they not flowed water into that room with an exterior stream she would have died you know so that's that's you know what i mean it's just it's it's just there's so much debate about that it's just we, we we use the tool for the for the we use the right tool for the right job you know, like interior water is the goal, but sometimes you got to hit it from the outside. Sometimes you got to hit Sometimes the best way to do it's the inside. It's just, it's so much, you know, there's so much debate. We just got to get past that. And Hey, this fire needed a line from the outside. This fire needed one from the inside. So that's, we took it where it needed to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I think, and we were just talking about this on shift the other day. Like we need to stop putting the fire service in a box or trying to shove it into that box. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the fire service, the fire service as a, as a whole, um, is just super dynamic and, and no two calls are going to call for the same, 
exact thing to be done. Um, you know, the, the video of DJ's rescue really shattered a couple myths. Um, when you think about it, I mean, we've, we've been told for a long time not to flow water when you've got somebody in the room. Well, that's what they did. And, and, you know, nobody's, nobody's dead because of it. Um, you know, we've been told if, you know, you know, that room's fire, fire's blowing out of it. Uh, nobody can survive that smokes down to the floor. They pulled a very alive woman out of that room. Um, you know, they, they knew the signs of, of what that room was going to do and they acted and, and, uh, um, and they made it happen. And it, it, it's just a, it's a testament to, um, I, I think the aggressive nature, uh, of, um, kind of what I see as a resurgence and, and some people may not agree with that word, but I, I think that, uh, it's making its rounds again, the, the resurgence of this aggressive mindset, um, you know, kind of, uh, questioning the status quo of what we've always been taught and seeing that everything's not as, as it seems, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, I, uh, John Norman has a great quote that he said in the, uh, the ODP when I was there in January in Pensacola, are they smoked or are they crispy? If they're smoked, then we give them every chance in the world. But if they're crispy, then maybe we should try to find a different room. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we should knock the fire down, then go in there and do the search. But if it's, if they're just smoked, then man, hop in there, you know, give them a search, you know, blah, 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 flow water. If you have to, to knock some of the flashover potential down, get in there and give them a search. We don't determine their survivability based on, based on just smoke in a room. Um, no. And, and so I, and I totally agree with you. I, I totally agree that, you know, we can't put ourselves in a box. We we've got, you know, like I said, I, and I'm sure you in the same way, I've been to fires where exterior water was 100% needed and we did it and it worked and, and everything was great. And I've been to fires where that would have never worked. We had to go inside and that was what we wanted to do. And we, and we did it. So it's just, we're not in a box. We use the right tool for the right job and we got to stop like exactly what you said. I love how you put it, putting the fire service in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, you, you brought up a, a couple of great points. I don't want to take anything away from, from some of the other classes that we're going to talk about, but um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a couple notes, and I'll, we'll come back to them when we get to that class. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so then we got into the handline attack package design with Dennis Laguerre, and I don't even attempt to, to claim that I'm thinking on the same wavelength as Dennis Laguerre. Like, he is so far advanced, so far. I don't even want to try to, to butcher his class by, by uh, you know, like trying to even – like go into a whole lot. So to me, uh, if you, you should read his articles, nozzle dreams, hose dreams, his, uh, fire department, why operations article that was in fire engineering. And, and you should just listen to Dennis Laguerre talk. The guy is a savant. He created a true, you know, a, a, a true ID hose from key hose company. I mean, the guy's just next level stuff. He knows he can even get down to the thread count of the hose jacket to know how much back pressure it's going to provide so that you can get the nozzle and the hose to behave the way you want it to so that you can move and flow and do all the things. He was even talking about the weight of the stream and why the velocity of the stream and the weight of the stream matter. I mean, it was just, it's such next level thinking that it's, you know, uh, I've had to listen to the guy four or five times uh, talk and it's and it and every time I just get a little bit more piece of the pie and it just he's just phenomenal to listen to. 
Yeah, he uh, – I, I think uh, I think I've watched all of his videos four or five times, like everything that I can find on YouTube. Um, and, and some of that comes from being super interested and really getting to nerd out over it, and some of it is to try to uh, understand it because obviously – when somebody is next level like that, you need to, sometimes you just need to retake that information in and break it down in chunks. Um, but he is, uh, yeah, the, the man is, he's, he's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. Um, he, um, just the stuff, just the way that he, he breaks things down. I mean, I watched a video the other day from, uh, Atrock, I guess last year, you know, everybody is over at the nozzle flowing this line being like, Oh yeah, the nozzle reaction is great. He's back here with a caliper, like testing the, the outer diameter of this hose and then trying to test the inner diameter and like getting all of his numbers and everything. It's just, it's really amazing to watch a man kind of work and, and his wheels turn. So yeah, I, again, 100% agree. Don't even want to try and, and and explain some of the things because I would butcher it because he's that next level. Um, it's just if you are want to know anything about hose, nozzles, hydrants, anything. I mean, his classes from hydrants to nozzles, if you want to learn anything about that entire water supply package, gold standard stretches, it, it just call Dennis Laguerre up read his articles, get him to come to your fire department. You, you won't be disappointed. Like I said, I've heard him talk four or five times and watched his videos. I even recorded him talking pretty much his entire, uh, outside demonstration slash warm class. Uh, you know, and just, I, and I've watched those a couple different times. And every time I listen to him talk or read something that he says, it's just, I get more and more out of it. So, so Dennis Laguerre is just awesome. Um, and so then we kind of went into, uh, that was the last – was that the last one of the, the second day? I believe it I think, was. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, and then the next day we got into some of the warm classes. And uh, – oh, that's what it was. Uh, actually, Eric Wheaton was, I think, the last one with the can confidence. And then the third day was Ben Schultz talking about every second counts. Uh, can confidence, I thought uh, – yeah, it's actually it was can confidence and then – UL, yeah, yep. then UL with Ray McCormick and Keith Six. Can confidence, I thought was was great. Um, you know, funny like Eric Wheaton said he had never really done that presentation before because mo- mostly what he does is all hands on stuff. And uh, but I got a lot out of that man. You know, I think the can is a very underutilized tool, even for an engine company. I think truck companies use it more than engines, but we can use some of that functionality, uh, especially when we're investigating fires. And I got a lot out of that. I can tell you that the second I got home, I went to Home Depot and bought two uh, pitch pins for the cans at my firehouse, uh, you know, to make them a little bit better, a little more user-friendly. And I'm trying to find the money for some can harnesses or, or, you know, just to make it a little more functional. But I really got a lot out of it. And I'll be honest with you, that was one of the reasons I went to Water on the Fire when he added the Can Confidence class, because I've been trying to get a hold of that class for years. And I was like, oh, they're doing that. That was kind of the thing that pushed me over the edge. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to finding the hands-on class. Um, I wasn't able to take it the third day. I was, I was, we were doing the Elkhart stuff. Um, but the Can is, is something that definitely interests me. Um, I think that especially – especially with engine guys, right? We get, we get so sucked into to hose and movement and nozzles and stuff like that. Um, but area dependent, you know, I say that most of what I do is, is, is engine work. Cause I'm assigned to an engine all the time, but in depending on what your staffing is or what your alarm assignment looks like, um, you know, the last fire I went to, I laid a supply line and then I went and did truck stuff. 
So it, it's very interchangeable depending on where you are, um, especially if you don't have that truck backing you up. So it's, I think it's really imperative, even as an engine guy, to, to know your can and, and know what you can do, especially in a search mode like that. Um, I will say that we, we actually, we've been pretty proactive. Um, one of the guys that I got hired with, uh, he started seeing a lot of, a lot of Eric stuff and, and brought some of that, you know, the R pin, the pinch pin there and, and uh, putting a, a door chalk on it, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually ran a, uh, we ran a live burn where we used, um, uh, we used the can in a search method um, in the house, in the, in the room of, of origin. Um, and we cooled that room significantly more than what we thought we were going to. And the can is really just a force multiplier for, um, for a search crew. So uh, yeah, that, that class was super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't want to disparage the other, the other classes because I thought that, uh, that the UL class was, if you've read the water mapping study and all the stuff coming from UL, that was pretty much just a live version of that. So, I mean, go read the water mapping study and, and go read the impact of, you know, fire attack and firefighter safety on occupants and survival, all the water mapping, all this stuff. I mean, it was pretty much the live version of that. And then we went to every second counts with Ben Schultz, which I thought was, was phenomenal. Um, you know, just talking about how to break down time and how he kind of compared it to mountain climbing. Uh, you know, I really got a lot out of that and, uh, I really enjoyed, enjoyed how he approaches his, his, his job from a time perspective. Yeah. I, uh, I actually didn't, that was the third day. Uh, yes. And you, yeah, you went to the, to Bra- to, uh, to brass tax, correct? Y- yeah. Um, so we went over, so they split it up. Um, you had a, a, a morning, um, kind of classroom lecture session again where you could either choose uh ben schultz or or the brass tax class i went to the brass tax class and um basically what that was 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 jerry herfs and chris martin from elkhart um talking about um kind of the evolution of the the series the the videos that they put out um kind of how the evolution of the xds came up and and kind of that um modeling that that popularity of where it came from um, but then it was really a, a breakdown of, of doing a uh, hose and nozzle evaluation um, and, and knowing your flow and, and where to put up your, your pressure gauges and stuff like that. Um, I'll tell you, man, I nerded out real hard with that <laughs> class. Um, like I came back and got a quote for a, for a flow test kit um, just to see what, what it was, um, just so I can like just so I can start putting it on the engine and figuring out, like, I want to see with my eyes what our pressures are. Um, but it was great, man. It was, that class uh, was so insightful and they were so down to earth. They were not, um, you know, they were not, uh, I don't want to say typical instructors, but they weren't just, they weren't rigid in anything that they did. I mean, every question was answered, um, you know, and it, it was firefighters talking to firefighters. So I really enjoyed that class. Yeah, that's also like that's kind of like where we're talking about going into day three. And for people that don't know, the the third day again, it started with you could either go to the brass text hard hard facts class or brass text harder facts, and the, or you could listen to Ben Schultz. And after Ben Schultz, everybody kind of went out and did what they called warm classes. And so they had several offerings. They had Brian Brush doing big water. They had Dennis Laguerre doing the whys, uh, like why, you know, why fire department, why operations. And if you're going to do, you know, why you shouldn't do them. And if you're going to do them, you know, here's how you should do them. 
Uh, they had Steve Robertson doing stretching. They had live uh, demonstrations of water mapping. They had standpipe uh, operations. They had uh, canned confidence, some hands-on with canned confidence. What I ended up doing was I did the canned confidence class uh, where we did everything except have live fire. I mean, that was that was essentially what it was, where they showed us the search techniques, showed us how to how to map a room, showed us the, the spray that the can can do and some techniques with that. Um, then after that, did the uh, did a standpipe class like with uh, with PRDs and PRVs, like actually adjusting the PRVs and and how these guys do their standpipe stuff. And we actually like flowed water. I think that's one of the the misnomers of a warm class we didn't need gear and if you look at some of the pictures yeah there's guys out there in bathing suits and flip-flops i mean yeah that's the deal uh but you know it wasn't anything like you're crawling down a dark hallway you're just holding the nozzle and and flowing off of a standpipe and people are adjusting it so you get the right pressure or you're spraying the water can as you're kind of crawling slowly into this little prop that they built or you were in a parking lot a beach parking lot flowing uh, the RAM monitors and flowing, you know, lines and everything. And then, uh, so after the standpipe, I, I, we had lunch, of course, so lunch was always great every day. And then we went to the last two sessions of the day were for me were the, uh, the Y class with Dennis Laguerre and then Brian brushes big water. Um, I think I saw you at the standpipe class. What did you do after the standpipe? Um, I think we went downstairs uh, I might've met up back with the guys that I was with. I can't really remember what, what we did after that. Um, cause we, I actually, after the standpipe, cause we saw each other at the standpipe, I, w- I got to talking with some guys from Arlington. So I might've actually skipped one of those, those next sessions. Cause we were sitting there talking about the standpipe stuff. Um, the guys from Arlington had just switched from inch and three quarter to two and a half for their high rise packs. I got you. Um, and we got into a, a pretty deep discussion about that, but yeah, that, that standpipe class, um, you know, uh, uh, Anthony Rouette, you know, oh, yeah. shout out to Port city fire. Those guys know their stuff. It was, it was a great, uh, kind of introduction to, to the, to the valves, especially the valve systems that I have no idea about. Um, and then, you know, actually flowing the water at the, pre-93 post-93 pressures was um was pretty awesome yeah and then having to so that's the thing that's so valuable about that like you said we don't really have some of those new uh prvs in our department deals adjustable prvs so to get the leg up because i'm sure they're coming because we've relaxed some of our high-rise standards where i work i'm sure some things like that are coming and to have a leg up on like oh i know how to adjust that now, like I put my hands on all three of those valves and know how to adjust them and know what you're actually getting when you adjust them. That like, it's not like going to jump up 20 PSI for every turn. It's going to jump up more like one PSI for every yeah. turn, uh, you know, and so like, oh, yeah, well, I'm adjusting it. It's not something that's going to be fast. It's not something that's even going to be easy, depending on which style of the valve it is. So just and again, like I know it, and, and I saw a lot of hate on the social media, like oh, guys out there in flip-flops, y'all are in shorts and, <laughs> and everything. I'm telling you, it was a hundred degrees on Pensacola beach that day. It was the hottest day. I think of the whole week that we were out there and, but still, but, and so that relaxed environment, but we were still, at least in my eyes, I was, I gained so much out of being able to put my hands on that stuff. And, and just, you know, in the little hour and a half, like, you know, hour long blocks were just great. Yeah, the, the the information in the, in that uh, 
in that setting is, is um, like I said, we, I mean, we've talked about it. It's not, it's not so rigid. It's, it's very relaxed. So it's yeah. just, I, I, I have to laugh when guys are like, you know, they get up there and they weren't there, you know? So, yeah. I, yeah. I was in, I was in comfortable clothes. So, so what to me? Right. Yeah. Sorry. It was a hundred <laughs> degrees on the top of that parking deck. So yeah. I was in shorts. Yeah. You know, but we still flowed water out of a two and a half inch line with pre and post ninety three pressures, adjusted PRVs, like got a lot out of being in shorts and a t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and so uh yeah, and so like I said, I just thought those I thought that was a great segue into it. Uh, you know, like he said, he called them warm classes. Um and like I, said, I got a lot out of being over there in the parking lot at the end of the day with with Brian and Dennis talking about you know, the why operations. And it just kind of confirmed a lot of the things that I've, that I'd already learned and just, you know, reiterated some of those things. And then the big water stuff was great with, again, Dennis talking about how you want your water to be fast on the exterior, on the exterior, because you, it has to travel a lot of distance and you still want a really good stream to get to the inside of that building. That's why you should maybe shy away from those fog nozzles because in order to get the maximum that you can get out of a fog nozzle, you got to collapse the spring and all of this. I mean, just the, again, like you said, the next level stuff that's just going on out there is just really great. I, I can't recommend the conference enough. Um, you know, I just really can't, I can't recommend the conference enough because it's that kind of good stuff. It's next level stuff that people are just, you know, I don't know if they're naysaying or they just still, you know, maybe it's a bad time of year for a lot of people. It's a great time of year for me to go and what better place than to get a great education in a laid back environment on Pensacola beach. It was absolutely gorgeous out there while we were there. Yeah. It, it, it's uh Kurt's got it dialed in there, man. They, um, you know, you know, we were talking about it before the, the guys that, you know, get up on, on a social media platform and, and either bash the guys for going or, you know, kind of say, well, yeah, like I, I had something written down. I want to find it. Cause I know that somebody had made a comment about it, but, um, Brian Brush had, had made a comment and, um, and Elkhart actually put it up, um, as one of their, as one of their like little posters that they did throughout the week, mm-hmm. um, open bales prevent bailouts. Um, and I saw so much hate for that. And it just, it astounds me that somebody would pick that one little thing out of, you know, the hour and a half, two hours that he talked. Um, you know, they weren't there. They, they're not going to these conferences, but they want to, they want to put down guys that do that spend their time and want to go and perfect their craft. Um, and they take that one little thing and that's what they jump all over. Um, but the, the training that like, I mean, we talked about it in the beginning, man, the, the regional conferences, these conferences up close and personal face to face with these guys is just invaluable. You, you, you can't, um, you can't, can't ask for anything better really. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So we've been going for almost an hour and and even in going all of an hour, I don't know. I mean, it's we could probably talk for three hours about how great the, the, the conference is and, and everything that we got out of it. Um, so any final thoughts about Water on the Fire and what are you planning on doing next? Like, are you going to go to Water on the Fire next year? Are you going to HROC this year or next year? Like what's what's next on the agenda for you conference wise? Yeah, I think that um, I would love to make it to Atrock. I don't think that it's in the cards for this year, but um, that is that is definitely high on the priority list. Um, unfortunately, next year, because of the area that I work in and with the um, 
uh, RNC coming into town, we are actually blocked out at work. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we actually got that email while we were in Pensacola. Um, basically, the chief saying, hey, uh, these two weeks are, are going to be a non-vacation time, so don't plan anything. Understood. Uh, so, um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed about that. But, uh, um, yeah, man, it, uh, ATROC next year, hopefully. Um, we've actually got Perfecting the Craft coming up. Uh, I'm leaving for that tomorrow, actually, up in your neck of the woods. Yep. Um, so we're, uh, we're heading up there tomorrow. Uh, we'll actually, I'm helping out with the tactics on tap. So we get to sit down with, uh, um, with a couple guys, Dennis included, um, kind of pick his brain and, and, and talk about some, um, uh, some stuff with some, some questions. Um, pretty sure that's going to be live streamed and it's in, it's in one of the, one of the things there. Um, but yeah, just trying to make, uh, trying to make every training that I can and, and just, uh, um, whether it's locally or, or somewhere else. Um, I know the deep South is coming, coming. I'm really trying to get to that. Um, I, I would love to, to get down and do something with, um, you know, Kyle Romagus and, and, uh, chief Ryan Walt from down in, um, um, in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. In Texas and, uh, uh, Montgomery County. I would love to make it to one of their, their things. Um, but yeah, that's about it, man. Just trying to, trying to make it to everything that I can. Well, awesome. Like I said at the beginning, I'm I'm definitely headed to Water on the Fire 2020. I already signed up. Already got my. Ba- I, I think my bags are still packed. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go. And my goal is to hit H Rock 2020 as well. I want to be able to hit both of those in the same year. Went to the ODP in January this year with John Norman, uh, and then went. I've, I've hit a lot of local stuff and and just yeah. I mean, I you know uh, to me, like I said, the county fire tactics stuff is is phenomenal. Uh, and, and I think everybody should, should give a look. The guy's putting on five conferences every year uh, on, uh, on Pensacola Beach, and I've been to two of them so far, and I've had a great time at both of them. So I'm looking forward to going back next year. Chris, any, uh, tell us about where we can find you out on social media really quick. Um, I've, I've got uh, the 8UP Engine on, on Instagram. That is, uh, that's really just my journal. Um, I, I, I kind of use it just kind of document my fire service stuff that I'm doing. Um, so that's, that's something fun that I do. Um, but it's just the, the eight up engine with underscores in between each word. And it's Chris Clark on Facebook or Chris Clark one seven one on Instagram also. Um, but yeah, that's stuff, just fun stuff. Um, I love getting on there. Like I said, it's such a great tool. Um, you know, meeting, meeting people like you and being able to have these conversations and, uh, bounce ideas off of each other. Um, you know, whether you're on the East coast or the, you know, talking to a guy on the West coast, I mean, perspectives matter, like we were talking about. So getting those perspectives and bringing them back to your department is invaluable. Well, I, I completely agree. So, Hey man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about the conference with me and, uh, hope to see you. Uh, don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to any of this stuff this week. Unfortunately, it's a bad week for me. But, uh, you know, hey, keep doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. And I know you've got the, the – you had the stretch conference and then you had the search conference uh, that, was, that, that you guys have done as well. So, uh, you know, keep putting those things out. And, again, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for everything that, uh, that you're doing and, and the, the progress are, are great. They're, um, they're uh, an awesome tool to just sit down and listen to, whether it's a drive to work or whatever, and, and just, again, getting that, uh, getting that insight. It's great. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys stay tuned for a few uh, closing remarks right after this. What a tremendous interview and review of the Water on the Fire Conference with Chris. Uh, 
you can tell through just listening to Chris, his passion was so great to get to meet him, interacted with him on social media beforehand, got to meet him in Florida, uh, got to have a beer with him, just, you know, just a great, great guy and just such a passionate, uh, you know, firefighter and, and wanting to learn the job, just a tremendous journey in the military, just, just a great, great perspective to add to the review of the conference and, you know, comes from a fire service family, uh, you know, very similar background to myself with his volunteering, his dad being a firefighter, his brother being a firefighter, very similar to myself, even having been co-workers with his dad and his brother at some paid departments throughout his career. It's very similar to my situation with my dad and my brother. Just a great, great guy. Uh, again, can't recommend Water on the Fire enough. If you if you haven't gone or don't know anything about it, go to countyfiretactics.com. Like I said, Chief Ike, Kurt Isaacson, puts on five different conferences every year on Pensacola Beach. It's a beautiful area. I've been vacationing in, in that area of Florida uh, my entire life. My grandparents are from there. And it just that and that area, that, that panhandle of Florida area is just gorgeous. That Gulf of Mexico area is just gorgeous. The weather was great in August. I just can't recommend uh, going down there enough. And uh, speaking of conferences, we already put it out. The Fireground Commander Conference coming back for our third year in March of 2020 in Henrico County at the Henrico Theater. Very, very close to nailing down all the final lineup for the speakers, but I'm telling you, of the people that have already committed, you're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be the best Fireground Commander Conference yet. Third year, we're even adding some stuff. We're going to be going back to Strange Ways for another uh, for another beer night, social hour. We're going to be going to the Henrico Firefighters Union Hall. We're going to be doing all sorts of stuff. We're trying to add some additional things at those to make them worth your while to come out. Maybe even talking about doing a little bit of a, not taking the name tactics on tap, but maybe a little bit of a, uh, like just a tactical talk while we have some beers uh, at the Strange Ways or at, a, uh, or at the Union Hall. So, Fireground Commander, March 2020. It is going to be awesome. Uh, make sure that you're in Henrico County, Virginia. Go to EmbraceTheResistance.com uh, for some conference information. Also, Embrace the Resistance on Facebook. Fireground Commander on Facebook. Uh, Fireground Commanders on Twitter. We've got all sorts of social media. We're bringing on people to make our social media experience even better. So if you can't make the conference, you'll feel like you're there and you'll want to be there. Uh Early bird registration is going to start very soon. Pay attention to all the social media stuff. Fireground Commander Conference is going to be awesome. Uh, as well, can't do what I do without people supporting me. The first being Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear is the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Those things are made for work. I'm telling you, I wear them all the time. I train in them all the time. Just had a fire last shift. Was operating for hours at this fire with these Vanguard safety wear gloves. Clean them up, wash them, dry them, pull them out the next shift, they're ready to go. They're not hard to get in. You know, like all those gloves, they kind of like dry up and they get all hard to get your hand into. Not the MK1s. Those things are awesome. They were ready to go after washing them and cleaning them. They were ready ready to rock for my next shift. And we ended up pulling hose for two hours that following morning on the next duty day. And they were awesome as usual. So Vanguard Safety Wear, you can get them at VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFireCompany.com. Those things are made for work. Also, Taylor's Tins. Again, talking about 
reliable stuff that's going to not only look good but be functional on the fire ground. Taylor's tins was that that same fire and some other fireman was like, man, that looks like a Taylor's tin. Well, it sure is. Okay, Taylor's tin makes metal helmet fronts for your helmet. They also make a ton of other things. The Water Thieves that I've interviewed on this podcast, they have pump cards that ta- that they sell that Taylor's Tins has made. Those things are awesome. They're making everything out of tin. They're making everything out of that flexible metal that you can use. They are just a great, great company. They are making things that make firefighters' lives easier. They're making fashionable helmet fronts. Taylorstens.com, and it's not going to be just kind of, you know, this fly-by-night, you know, like drop-down menu. You're going to email Taylor what you're looking for. He's going to send you concept art, and you're going to be able to customize your helmet front to what you want. So stop burning up leathers. Start wearing Taylor's Tens. And you know what I always say. Make sure you're spending one hour in the gym working on your physical fitness. Make sure you're spending an hour in the library educating yourself on our job, watching YouTube videos, reading an article, reading a leadership book, reading a fireground book, getting an education about our job. And spend one hour doing some sort of hands-on training, pulling lines, throwing ladders, doing those things that are going to make the difference on the fireground. Doing those things that are going to make the difference at 2 o'clock in the morning when someone's trapped. If you do that, those three hours, hour in the gym, hour in the library, hour doing hands-on training, you do that every shift, I'm telling you, you're going to make tremendous gains in your firefighting skill and you're going to become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. So that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, but aggressive. I'm out.